You will sleep better than you have ever slept. You've never been this relaxed. Are you ready to change your life? I'm Rusty Diamond, certified hypnotist. You don't need to leave your house. You can stay in your bed. You can stay in your favorite chair. You just need a computer or your phone. You can get a hold of me. Stay at home. I'll make your life better. Hypnosisisgrade.com It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man, Boomus Rusty, what is up, everyone? There's my adjustment before I sit down and get into it today. Welcome to the Public Access Podcast, the podcast here on the Rusty Diamond Podcast Network. Thank you, everyone, so much for being here. Uh, If you're watching it and you're thinking, okay, nope, don't want to look at this guy, don't want to do it, no go anywhere you can listen to podcasts because there's content if you don't like my face that's okay but there's good content so you can go anywhere we listen to podcasts and find it unless you have some obscure one mr hipster then i don't know maybe i'm not on there but i'm probably on anywhere else and if you're listening to this on a podcast somewhere and you're like what does this guy look like or what does the guest look like i don't know go on youtube you'll find it there Easy, easy, easy. Look up the Public Access Podcast. There is Public Access Podcast or or something like that without the the. Someone tried to copy it, take it from me, but they didn't. And they stopped. They're done. Uh, But I'm still going. I'm still ticking. So thank you, everyone, for that. I appreciate it. And it's time for me to bring on my special guest. And my special guest is right here and right now. And right here and right now, my special guest is Jackie Rubio. Welcome, Jackie. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you, Rusty. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you're very welcome. Happy to have you on and, um, you know, be able to come out here and uh, and do this and just sort of hop into the experience, which you know, it's uh, a good place to be it's a good place to be and i appreciate you doing this and so um so yeah so we uh so you're you're in texas right now are you living there or are you just are you visiting or yeah i um i tend to go between um texas and oregon i um try to follow the weather patterns a little bit um Last year, my circumstances uh, changed, and I ended up spending a winter in te- in Oregon instead, in a summer in Texas. So uh, that was a little disappointing. <laughs> oh, uh, so you, you're the snowbird? Is the the uh, 
the term, I guess. I would like to be. <laughs> I would. I would like to be. What uh, what is stopping you from that? Is there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's kind of where my story starts here. Um, I just uh, December sixteenth of twenty twenty one, my son was brutally murdered. He was twenty eight. His name is Devin Briggs. He was a real good kid, real tall, like six foot four, um, just the sweetest, like most gentle, kindest um, guy you'd ever meet in your life, like super well behaved, real straight, straight and narrow, you know, always was worried about his 401k, paying his taxes on time, you know, just a real, real uh, good kid. And uh, um, he showed up at his ex-wife's house. Paige Van Norstall in Madras, Oregon, to get his son for his routine custody or routine, you know, every other weekend visit. And he opened the door or she opened the door and shot him. She shot him right in the heart, a kill shot. He would have never survived, but uh, she continued shooting him multiple times. He fell into the home um, and my seven-year-old grandson was in that home and he continued to to get shot. Um, and from there, my world changed my whole world completely changed. So I, um, just want to, uh, talk a little bit about, um, you know, not only have I lost my son, but, um, the state of Oregon, um, they left her with her full custody parenting rights. So, um, what she wasn't able to accomplish in the courtroom, she was able to accomplish through murder. So she holds full parenting rights to my grandson while she's in jail awaiting murder two, assault one, and unlawful use of a deadly weapon. And they left her full custody. So she's allowed to decide where my grandson lives, who he can see, who he cannot see. And he's been taken from me as well. Her side of the family won't allow any contact for my little grandson with, with Devin's side of the family. Um, so I've suffered the loss of my son. He's dead. He's gone. And I've now suffered the loss of my grandson. Holy shit. Um, so how does that even happen? How does she... Still, is this like pending trial that this is happening? Is yes, it's it is pending trial. And I mean, it's a very kind of a complicated situation. So, um, you know, I want to go on record and say that I am not a perfect person. I've made a lot of mistakes. I was actually a severe alcoholic when my kids were teenagers. And, um, you know, with alcoholism comes a lot of really bad choices. And um, I had been um, sober for two and a half years before my son was murdered. It's been 14 months and I'm still sober. I have a strong enough sobriety that I wake up every day knowing my son is dead and my grandson is gone. And it just stays, it just helps me stay sober. It doesn't detour me from staying sober. So um, in the process of, of, you know, getting sober, staying sober, I, um, started a, a woman's empowerment nonprofit so that I could use my story and my mistakes and the things that I had gone through to help other women. Um, and I had just um, 
speak out about my situation. I actually wrote, um, I co-authored a book that turned into an international bestseller regarding my trip to rehab and, you know, the mistakes I've made and how I, I want to reach out and help other people. Um, you know, all that had gone on in my two and a half years of sobriety before my son was murdered. And I'm really grateful for that because it's just kept me, you know, strong in my sobriety and kept me being able to honor my son to um, continue to be a good mother now, you know, even through his death. Um, so those things are just a little bit of background, but it, it kind of adds to the complication of the situation. So after Devin was murdered, um, Paige, his ex-wife, I have no idea why law enforcement would do this, but they allowed her to pick up her phone after putting multiple bullets in my son and decide who could come pick up my grandson. She's literally on the phone being arrested, speaking to a mutual friend between my son and her, asking to come pick up Grayson and says on the phone in front of the police, I shot him. And they're allowing her to figure out where my grandson's going to go live through this process. I don't I, I don't know how that happens. And then um, the state of Oregon DHS decides that. Uh, putting multiple bullets into somebody in front of a seven-year-old is not child abuse. And they don't have any need to step in and take custody of this child. So the child is allowed to be placed by the mother who just murdered my son, who retains her full custody rights. Now, I immediately went to court and I, you know, asked for guardianship. Um, we had a judge and that judge declared um, at that moment, absolutely, that I would get um, attempted, or uh, I'm sorry, um, temporary temporary guardianship. So, and this was after um, Paige gave my grandson, um, she did a uh, power of attorney, gave him to her mother, who came from out of state, and um, she did not allow my grandson to attend his father's funeral. She did not allow him to come into the community. There was, I don't know, several hundred people in our small town in Central Oregon. They loved my son. I mean, he was a part of the community there. He was in church there. He had been raised there. He had made, he worked at the, he worked at Facebook there. He had made a ton of friends. He'd helped in this community. He volunteered. And so these people were they were appalled and they were hurting for him and they were hurting for his son. And they asked us um, if we would set up a place for them to come and bring gifts, Christmas gifts for his son, because this was right at Christmas time. And um, she wouldn't let him come to that. She would not allow him to come and receive gifts from the community. Instead, she comes from another state into the home where my son was murdered and they refuse to have um, a cleanup crew come out. So this woman cleans up what's left of my son's body fluids, his brains, his guts, his blood with her bare hands and then brings my grandson back into that home to live while we're going to court. I mean, these are just some absolute atrocities that I, I, I think are unimaginable, but this is the way it played out. And so we went to court 
you know, the judge hearing all of these things, taking into consideration everything. Now, I live two and a half hours away. I had just bought a home in eastern Oregon so that I could be close to my son and my grandson because he was going through this brutal custody situation with his ex-wife. I mean, he, she was just giving it to him. She was lying. She was making up medical situations. She was making up accusations. She was withholding visits from him. So he had to go and get a second job so that he could pay, keep an attorney. And he was in court and he was fighting her. He was fighting back. He was not allowing her to just run him over like he had done in the past. And, and so she had made false accusations. She had an emergency hearing that got denied. Then she took the same information that had already been investigated and thrown out and said that you know there was no, none of the accusations were real that they that he was fine to have visits with his son she went back to another judge with the same information and his attorney didn't show up so that judge gave her the emergency that she was requesting until they could get into an actual courtroom because my son was asking for his visits that she had taken from him for six months he was asking for all that time back and then to go on with his every other weekend visits that he had with their divorce decree. And um, so when they got into that courtroom, that judge said, no, that there's not enough evidence to take, you know, for what you're doing, take his visits away. So he dismissed that emergency hearing. He gave my son back his visits. And then he filed for full custody because DHS and law enforcement, what they were finding was that there was something wrong with this gal. Like she, you know, after making false accusations and lying, they were seeing coaching on her end. Um, they were seeing isolation on her end. They were definitely seeing parental alienation. And my grandson was being a product of that, for sure. He was following all those patterns, what happens when a child is alienated, when they're coached, like when they're my... asked when they're asked to make up stories, things like that, he was definitely following that pattern. So, um, you know, Devin was making some progress on that. He really was. I mean, they caught the attention of law enforcement of DHS, you know, the judge obviously said this isn't going on. So, you know, he needs to go back to his normal scheduled visitations. And, uh, I mean, that just sent her over the edge. Um, center over the edge and so my son was he was engaged he had a beautiful wonderful fiance um they were actually supposed to get married during the time that all this custody stuff came up and unfortunately their wedding plans and their wedding savings went to this so he was denied being able to get married to a woman that he loved very much and um he fought this custody battle and he did it with such dignity I mean, he did it. He was so calm. He was very methodical. He didn't get frustrated with the process, but he was afraid of her. You know, all these allegations, all these things were being twisted. He was afraid of her and he never went alone to pick up my grandson. He took his fiance with him. I think there was a time she wasn't available. So he took his fiance sister with him, but this was Christmas time. And his fiance and her family were out Christmas shopping. Uh, she and I had just been on the phone together making our Christmas plans where I would be with my son and my grandson for the weekend, um, you know, things like that. And I don't know why, but he decided to go by himself to pick up my grandson. 
And I don't know if she knew he was going to come alone or if this one was just prepared to kill them both. You know, I don't know that she knew he was coming by himself, but she um, opened the door, you know, and um, because he was afraid of her, because all of this was going on, he installed a dash cam on his car. And so when he would go and, um, you know, do any of the visitation swaps and things and for and honestly, for months before that, he would always ask her to meet him at the police station and she would not accommodate it. She would always just make him come to her home. She would not go to the police station and meet like he had asked her to do multiple, multiple times. And so on this occasion, he went by himself and he lost his life. She shot and killed him. So when I went into the courtroom to ask for the temporary guardianship, I was granted that. Um, but it was this, this odd situation. It was temporary. The judge mandated that I move to the town that my little grandson lived in, the town my son was murdered in. So I left my home. I had just bought in Eastern Oregon and in Central Oregon. If anybody knows Central Oregon, they know how difficult it is to rent there. The, the prices are insane. And this was right before Christmas. There wasn't a lot available. So we ended up finding um, like a two bedroom older mobile. It was on like a hundred acres, but it, so it was like a farm, you know, like if a farm hand lived in it type thing and worked on the, worked on the property. So to be honest, we were lucky to even have found that, to even have gotten yeah. that. So um, DHS had come and, and approved it. Uh, Grayson's attorney had come and approved it. And um, so I was able to move into that with him. We had to go back to court every 30 days to get the guardianship papers updated. So we had been doing that for a couple of months. Well, the state of Oregon paid for Paige's custody attorney in a civil matter, which I don't even know if that's legal. She had a defense attorney paid for, and she had it out of Portland because Central Oregon's such a small area. None of our attorneys could take it on, conflict of interest. I, I don't know. So she gets a very good law firm from Portland who covers her defense. In the process of that, they start to cover her um, custody part of it. So they have this, you know, huge firm with all of these resources. In the meantime, I've given up the home that I own and am paying for an attorney myself out of pocket in a very, very expensive process, let me tell you. Sure. And we're going into these courtrooms all the time. Well, her attorney pulls up my all my records, you know, and is just enforcing, you know, all of you would have think, honestly, you would have think I murdered someone. You would have think it was my child that murdered their child the way that they were coming at me. They did not give a crap that my son had just been brutally murdered, taken from me, that I just left a home that I owned, that I made all of these changes all within a few weeks of his murder. You know, they were just coming at me and it was it was vicious. I mean, it was very difficult. And in the process of that, they had um, gotten a grant for an evaluator, a custody evaluator. Now, we'd already had an evaluator uh, that the courts appointed. The evaluator came and she'd already made her decision, which was that she thought Grayson would be better with me. But then they go through this process and they get a grant for this other custody evaluator. And let me tell you, this woman was horrible, like absolutely horrible. 
She lied on the custody evaluation. She called um, the people that, you know, were supposed to, she asked for contacts to call them to find out, you know, what kind of a person I was, what kind of a mother I am. And she like hit them so hard that I was an alcoholic, a drug addict, a domestic violencer. Like, I mean, well, I had one of my girlfriends literally call me after that call. She was crying because she thought she'd accidentally spoke to the defense's attorney. Because we were told, be careful, they can trick you, they're going to try to get information out of people who were close to Devin, you know, so she was crying, like hysterically, she thought she had just spoken to the defense attorney, that's how this woman worked, you know, so I have all of this stuff going on, and we go to court again, and of course I'm scared, I'm devastated, all, every sin I've ever committed is being, like, launched into you know, orbit with the court, the judge, the evaluator, and then to have somebody come in on top of that and be untruthful, to make up lies, to not even do their job correctly whatsoever. I mean, this one was literally attacking me. And so I, but I went in, I was prepared. I was just, you know, I kept it together because I had Grayson during this time. And, um, sorry, I didn't mean to say his name, but, um, so the judge, what happens is she finds out by going through all this paperwork that she had actually prosecuted me. Uh, it had been many, many, many years and she did not remember me. She did not remember the case. So she asked my, me and my attorney if we wanted her to step down because of that. And we said, absolutely not. Well, the other side said, yes, we want you to step down. And unfortunately, that was the other grandmother's weekend visit with my grandson. So she actually had physical, he was with her physically that weekend. And what that did was that left me without my guardianship papers extended and left it with her that she actually had him physically. And that was March 24th of last year. And she never gave him back. I have not seen my grandson since the day I dropped him off, dropped him off at school gave him a big, huge hug, told him I loved him. He said, I love you too, grandma. You know, he asked me about the the court date, if it was going to make a decision where he lived. And I said, oh no, it's it's not that kind of court. You know, we're just discussing your medical situations and, you know, things like that. Well, I didn't see him since then. And so we were given a new judge. And this this judge, <laughs> we go in front of him. He'd reviewed the entire case and he decides that he is going to leave Paige's parenting rights intact because that's Oregon state law. He wouldn't go around that like the first judge did. The first judge said, no, the power of attorney can't stand up because Paige could revoke that at any time. And that would leave Grayson without a guardian. So she said he needs a guardian. So we need to have this guardianship hearing. The next judge just dismisses it, dissolves the entire case, puts his hammer down and the case dismissed, the case dissolved, which that was on April 11, 2023. So then the attorney tried to get a, um, a new hearing so that the state of Oregon would take custody of him, which should have been done in the first place. Right. Well, the judge, again takes all the attorneys into the back room without me there and dissolves the case and says a third party can't ask for the state to take custody. The state has to ask for it. 
So then at that time, this woman takes my grandson and takes him to the state she lives in. And I have not seen him. He's gone. He's gone. They dissolved the whole case. Uh, my attorney bill was $53,000 from that. I lost my son to murder. I lost my grandson to what I consider theft. I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost bankrupt at this point from all of this. Right. So right. we go and I make a plea. I, I try to open up a motion um, on my own without an attorney and ask the judge to give me visitation. You know, I, I should have visitation at this point, at least. He dismisses it. He denies it. He won't allow me to have it. He said, oh, no, that case has been dismissed. You're go away. So then I go back in and I at this point now, this this is where it's really difficult to understand. But this evaluation that happened is really horrible. I mean, the things that woman said, whether they were true or untrue, the way that she narrated the evaluation is still in my file. So when I am calling outside attorneys to ask if they can help me, you know, get visitation, they open up this file that's, you know, able to be seen from the court access or however that works. And they see this evaluation and they go, oh, my God, like, you know, they're quoting me twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 just to defend this evaluation. You know, now I find out. This woman is not even a licensed social worker or a licensed psychologist in the state of Oregon. She's not even licensed. So, you know, I'm trying to go through the proper channels. I'm trying to make formal complaints to the social workers board, to the psychology board, because she lied. I mean, there are things that she should be overseen on and they can't help me because she's not a licensed social worker or a licensed psychologist. So, there's nothing they can do about it. It's up to the court. It's up to the court that opened, that appointed her. So I go back. I have a motion professionally written up with the problems with the evaluator, with the, my situation. They know that they're the only ones that can open that up and allow me to defend myself. And he denies it again. He just denied that. I put that motion in December 20th. They have 30 days to decide on it. Well, he took more than 30 days to decide on it. They come back, they give me a little bit of hassle and they, you know, make me do this weird uh, thing where I had to promise that I actually had them served. And then he waits several more days and then he denies it. Cool. So I, I've recently, you know, been on a, a, another podcast and, and she helped me develop some paperwork. So I'm just asking for your listeners to help me. There's emails that you can copy and paste to the legislators, the senator, the congressman, to the judge himself, asking them to take a look at this, be aware of this, reopen this. There's um, a petition that I'm trying to get floating around out there that will ask the judge to reopen this because there's two issues on legally on this situation. Number one is the state of Oregon left this woman her full parenting rights after she admitted in front of the cop that she shot him after there's a video of her shooting him. So I understand guilty until proven innocent, but in certain cases... You have to say, okay, this happened. The police came in, you know, right after she kills him. 
and allows her to make a decision on where to place her seven-year-old. And then, you know, uh, they allow her to continue to have her parenting rights and decide what happens to the seven-year-old when there's an overwhelming amount of evidence and her own admission that she killed him. So I think that there's got to be a law that, you know, would accommodate that. In Oregon, there's a Slayer law. The Slayer law says if you kill somebody to benefit financially, you don't get to benefit financially. Like if it's property, if it's real estate, if it's, you know, money, you don't get to have their finances if you kill somebody. And that's sure. before they're proven in court. You know, all that's held up. Why Why would you get to gain full custody of your child if you kill the other parent blatantly? So that's right. one. And the other one is, why does the courts in Oregon, the family courts, use an unlicensed professional to do such an extremely intense case evaluation? You know, and then for to leave me with no way of correcting that. I have nobody that can help me, you know, go through it, see where there were lies at, you know, see where she had made major mistakes at. And I have no nobody to help me with that. So what that does is, like I said, if I try to get another attorney to help me see my baby, to see my grandson, they're quoting me twenty or $30,000 because this evaluation sits on this case. And then you have this judge, and he's the only judge that I can see in the entire Central Oregon area because um, the other ones were involved either in the my case or in the murder case. So he's the only judge that I can plead to get him to take a look at this evaluation, and he refuses to do it. They just refuse. Oh, <laughs> and I mean, and if that wasn't like the worst of it, the same evaluator goes into a public place in this small town of Central Oregon where my son was just murdered at, where my grandson was just taken out of. And she doesn't even realize it, but she goes into a nail salon that is owned by the same woman she called and brutally like questioned to the point of having her in tears. She owns that nail salon and this woman sits in that nail salon. She starts bragging that she's the social worker on this high profile case she starts talking shit about me. And in the end of this, she declares that my son deserved to be murdered. And there's nobody who oversees this woman. There's nothing I can do about it. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I just wow. got myself so no, frustrated and so worked up. And okay. what people that's also, the problem insane. is at the end of all this, my son is still dead. My son is still gone. At the end of all this legal stuff and all this other stuff that they've put in my path and, you know, things like that. I mean, I'm trying to deal with that one thing at a time and, you know, do the right thing and, and never give up on trying to get my grandson. I have at least... 40 text begging his other grandmother to let me have a visit to let me send him pictures of his daddy he doesn't even have any pictures of his dad he's being told his dad was this terrible person you know i got um i my attorney subpoenaed the like jail and audio calls between the grandmother and 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 the murderer 
and on those in front of this baby and on those recorded calls, I mean, they've got him involved in actively talking bad about me, calling me a liar. He's seven years old. You know, the woman who just murdered my son is on the phone calling me crazy. And he's involved in these conversations. You know, they're in the jail and he's sitting there with a visit with his mom and it's being recorded and they're talking about me right in front of this little guy. You know, and now, you know, of course, when I asked for a visit, she's trying to tell me, oh, he doesn't want to talk to you. He doesn't want to visit you. Of course he doesn't. Look what you've done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, that's what, uh, you know, that's all he knows. And that's, yeah, that's um, ridiculous. That's absolutely insane. And I mean, so like, what were, what was your relationship with you and her before uh, when, with like, the, when they were together, when your son's uh, wife, ex-wife. I, um, you know, I tried really hard with them. Um, they were very young. Uh, he was 20 and she was 18, I believe. Um, I hosted their wedding. It was very important to my son. He was in church um, and he really wanted to, you know, be married. He didn't want to live with her, you know, in, you know, in out of church type thing. So, um I hosted their wedding and, you know, she was just real different, real standoffish. Um, he was really grateful. He really loved having the tradition and the wedding like that. Um, she, you know, showed up and said, I thought I was just here to sign a piece of paper. You know, that was her like okay. style. And then, um, you know, when she had my grandson, she was really, really weird about it. Um, she didn't want any contact with me. Uh, you know, she was a germaphobic, um, you know, and my son never stood up to her. She was always threatening to take the kid, you know, always threatening to kick him out of the marriage and take his son. So he never stood up to her and I just let him do what he needed to do, you know, like how to have his marriage, the way he wanted to have his marriage, to have his relationship with his child, the way he wanted to, I'm just always there to support him, you know, if he needed anything. And, um, you know, they, they got separated, um, within three years. Um, Devin didn't want to leave the marriage, but, um, it was apparent to all of us. And we tried to tell him, you know, that she was into women. She, she, I just don't believe that she, was happy in a um, heterosexual relationship. I believe that she got what she wanted. She got pregnant. And the minute she got pregnant, she just didn't want anything to do with Devin anymore. You know? And so he tried his hardest and then um, he had to move out. And she was still breastfeeding my grandson at the age of three, three and a half. And in the state of Oregon, um, they honor that apparently, and they wouldn't let my son have overnight visits with him while she was breastfeeding him. So, you know, he was just, dev it was devastating for this kid. You know, he was really getting screwed. He really was. And in the process of them, you know, going, he was trying to file for divorce so that he would be able to have something in writing when he could have Grayson because she was being extremely difficult you know, and she even made him sign a paper that Grayson couldn't be around me or any of Devin's friends, any of his family. Like she made him do a um, sign that before he could have visits, 
before they were divorced. Now, as soon as they got divorced, you know, none of that's in his parenting schedule or anything like that. So he finally, you know, could be free to be a dad, free to be the father that he wanted to be, you know, and at that point, um, I lived in Texas, but I mean, I flew to Oregon four or five times a year. I was really, really close with my grandson. I was sober. I was, you know, I was really close to him. We FaceTimed him whenever Devin had him. I mean, he really had a great love and a relationship for me. And um, they took all that. They took it. They take, they took all that away from, from him. They murdered his father and then they took every good memory that little boy has of him and made him think that his father was this bad man and his grandma's this bad person, you know, just erased everything for him. Um, uh, I mean, and, and the court systems are, you know, with uh, custody is, are very favored for, for women, like no matter what, too. And that makes everything you know, kind of exponentially difficult. And um, I don't even know. That's um, so now, I mean, how can people help the situation? How can they learn more? How can, how can anyone here that's hearing this, you know? Well, I mean, if anybody knows the law and has any, you know, help um if anybody um if what i mostly what we outlined um for the viewers to make things easy is um three emails there's uh one to the judge one to the congressman and one to the organ legislator and all you do is copy and paste it's got the email address the subject line and you just take out the little spot that says your name put your name into it sign your name into it send it off the petition is for change.org, and that petition is to get Judge Whiting and Madras Oregon to reopen this case. Um, and so I would love to see that get more traction. Um, I think that this is a complicated situation. People don't quite understand, you know, uh, no one... Um, no one made like a gravel decision uh, to take custody or to take guardianship away from me. He just dissolved it and refuses to let it back in the courtroom. So, you know, no one, no one actually took the guardianship from me. No one actually took custody. No one actually, you know, no judge said, oh my gosh, you know, he's better off with, with grandma. Nobody did that. But it's just left so, you know, dissolved the way that it is that it's left me no options, no choices that I'm aware of. Um, we are, we did put a GoFundMe up. I pray that that does go somewhere because we, I am trying to appeal his latest um, denial of the case. Um, I, you know, it's a process. Um, I, I represent myself, so it's not easy. Um, I would love to get a paralegal that could, you know, help me, you know, actually put that together. But unfortunately, I think I have six more days left before the 30 days is up to appeal it. Um, because they, they, when they finally, I was calling the court almost every day to find out, you know, if I was going to get a hearing, what was going to happen. And I think it was like February 9th when they said, um, no, and she sent me, she emailed me the denial to it. Well, the um, 
the thing itself is actually dated February 5th by the judge. So that even took away more days I had time to try to get an appeal put together. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, if the GoFundMe, let me get a paralegal really fast to help me put, you know, the appeal in at least and see, you know, what that would, you know, what would happen with that. Um, and then, um, you know, maybe it's time to go into the state that my grandson's actually in. Um, it made it very complicated because the person who actually has custody of him is in Oregon but the person that has the power of attorney and the physical part of him is in Montana. Um, and it just makes it confusing what courts will accept it. I mean, at this point, they can pretty much both kick it out because he's a resident of the state of Montana. But his mother, who has physical or legal custody, is a resident of Oregon, of Madras, Oregon jail. You know, yeah. so they, my gosh, I mean, I don't think this thing could get any more complicated. I don't think anything could have went more wrong. From December 16th, when my son lost his life until now, you know, and we're still just, uh, you know, with what I paid that attorney and what I paid, you know, to try to get paralegal help and stuff. I mean, we're over $70,000 and I am not seen or heard from my grandson in almost a year. I just, it just isn't, you don't realize that this stuff goes on until it happens to you. And I would just like you know, for people to understand how really messed up the family court system is. I don't know if it's like that in every state. I do know that there's other states where they have to be a legal social, legally licensed social worker. I don't know why the state of Oregon seems fit to hire these people that are not. You know, so every, like I said, I mean, everything that could have went wrong did. And then some, you know, and I'm left as a mother, a grandmother, you know, what am I supposed to do? Uh, am I, you know, am I just supposed to quit and just accept the fact that I will never see my little grandson again, that my son died for nothing? You know, he died fighting for this little boy. Right. I don't know. And yeah, I don't know. I hope not. I hope that, you know, I hope this at least gets some, uh, you know, eyes and you know, more awareness about what's going on and, you know, hopefully, you know, it sets it to where other people aren't going to have to experience anything like this. And That's my hope. My hope is that we can get some of these laws changed so that no other mother, no other grandma, no other father, you know, no other person ever has to go through this. You know, yeah. I just, and I, I mean, I'm not politically charged i'm not you know a super um educated person so this is like some really difficult things for me to understand to try to um you know make happen but i just i'm so sure that nobody else should ever have to go through this yeah um yeah thank you so much for um being on here and yeah getting to share that and get that out into the the world i appreciate that and um yeah i, I hope that whatever whatever the show can do um will will do and um yeah i hope that everything can you know work the best that it can work and hopefully yeah. make it thank you for the opportunity you. you're very you're welcome and yeah um yeah i hope you have a great rest of your day thank you for being on 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you to your uh, listeners. I appreciate yeah. it so much. You bet. All right. Have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Okay. Jeez. That's a lot. Um, fuck. Yeah, if anyone here can help out, please. That's it. I mean, I don't have any witty witty lines here at the end. So, um, yeah. I'll post stuff in the, the comments here in the show notes. So, thank you everyone uh, for listening here on the Rusty Diamond Podcast Network. And that is the show. Man. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker.